Now although I am no poet myself, I am privileged to live midst rocks and streams, and in the company of such gifted practitioners of the poetic art. And it seems to me a great pity that the romantic courts and pavilions of our garden should not echo with the jocund carousal of assembled bards, and its flowering groves and blossoming banksites not become places of wine and song. Why should the founding of poetry clubs be the sole prerogative of the whiskered male, and female versificators allowed a voice in the tunable concert of the muses only when some enlightened patriarch sees fit to invite them? Will you come then and rhyme with us? everybody. Uh, welcome back to another exciting installation of Rereading the Stone. Uh, this is Kevin Wilson, joined as always by William Jones. Will, how are you Hello. today? How are things? How's it going? I, I am I'm very well. I am um, relaxed and ready to dive into another big, like, meaty chapter full of uh, poets, uh, poetry, and, okay. and classical illusion. How about you? That's an interesting metaphor because for me, it's been a bloody stupid week. But I have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's continuing with the meat metaphor. Uh, but I, I have emerged uh, like victorious or some semblance of of said thing, and I'm ready. Uh, and I feel more or less prepared. Um, because this this is a, a difficult chapter, uh, but we have we've come a long way, and this is uh, the, you know, this is our third cycle, and, and I, I feel like we're we're bringing uh, yeah we're bringing like the the big guns mm. to um, the, the the material. I don't know if that, <laughs> that is yeah that a good start yeah bringing yeah. the big guns to there, <laughs> pointing them directly at the book because that, that doesn't exactly work with okay yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so we are we're ready. Um, and I, I think I'm pretty excited actually, yeah. but before we, uh, you know, before we sink our teeth in, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to do the, uh, our, our customary recap and overview? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned we're at the start of a new cycle. So the way we've been breaking the book down into chapters is sections of 12 chapters because it's mm-hmm. officially 120 chapters in total. So we just finished 36 last time, so that's three cycles down. Mm-hmm. So in chapter 36, we are still dealing with the fallout of uh, our main character, Jia Baoyu, being very severely beaten by his father a few chapters ago. So his grandmother, Grandmother Jia, orders that Baoyu is not to have any visitors from outside the house until he's healed. And also because of his kind of 
um, his star sign. The way the um, the way the stars kind of align at the moment, he's not to proceed beyond a certain uh, kind of gate within the house. So Baoyu is thrilled at this because it means that he can avoid all of his father's annoying friends. Um, anyway, we we hear um, that one of the other characters, Wang Shifeng, who's one of the kind of most important women in the house, she's been re- receiving lots of gifts from various servants. She's rather perplexed by this, so she discusses it with her own handmaiden, uh, Patience, uh, who tells her that the reason for it is probably because these servants are the parents of various younger maidservants in the household, and all of them have an eye on the spare slot that's just opened up with Lady Wang. So this is the mother of Bao Yu, and again, one of the most important women in the house. So she has she's officially allocated four uh, handmaidens. One of them, Golden, as we know, uh, recently committed suicide. And so there is a there is an empty slot available. So Xifeng goes to discuss it with Lady Wang. They have a lengthy talk about not just the, the empty slot, as it were, but um, a lengthy talk about the way the household is run in general and, and all of the different servants. So who gets how many servants, how much those servants get paid, um, as well as a complaint that Lady Wang has received from uh, two of the concubines who believe that their servants have been shortchanged. They've not been paid the correct amount. The outcome of this discussion is Lady Wang decides she will not take a new servant, um, but instead will bring uh, another servant into her service uh, that servant being Aroma, who is kind of officially on the payroll of Grandmother Jia, but who actually waits upon Bao Yu. Mm. Anyway, uh, Xifeng then leaves, uh, grumbling about having been kind of given the third degree, kind of being interrogated on everything. Bao Chai then visits Bao Yu, but finds him sleeping, um, with Aroma sitting at his bedside, embroidering some night clothes for him. Seeing Bao Chai, she decides to take a break and go have a short walk. Uh, and so Bao Chai takes her seat and before long takes up her embroidery uh, to help out. Meanwhile, uh, Dai Yu and Xiang Yun, two of the other kind of young women of the household, cousins of, of Bao Yu's, are playing together in the garden. And they come to Bao Yu's house and through the window they spy. Bao Chai sitting and embroidering while Bao Yu sleeps, and they find this very kind of domestic-looking scene extremely funny. So Aroma returns from her her kind of little walk, but then she is summoned away to meet with Xi Feng. She's of course being summoned by Xi Feng to receive news that she's been kind of promoted into the service of Lady Wang, uh, and then when she returns home, she and Bao Yu get into a, a lengthy philosophical discussion about death and various other things. Um, the following day, um, Bao Yu is very bored, and he seeks out one of the child actresses that live in the garden, hoping that she will sing uh, an aria for him from his favourite play. Uh, however, on arrival at the house where all the child actresses live, he discovers she's in a very bad mood, and her voice is too sore to sing. One of the other young men of the household, Jia Chang, who is very clearly in love with this actress, Charmant. He 
returns with um at this point he returns with a gift for her a a caged bird which will dance on command so um Charmant, the child actress, she takes this gift to be a mockery of her, uh, and her mood immediately worsens. The two of them argue, and Baoyu leaves. Um, returning home, he finds uh, Aroma and Dayu, um, who reminds him that it's uh, Aunt Xue's birthday the following day. Uh, while Baoyu is weighing up whether or not to attend, uh, Xiang Yun arrives to bid everyone farewell because she's been summoned home by her family. Mm. So there's this very tearful departure, and that's where the chapter ends. In this chapter, Jia Zhang is appointed to a, a new government position which requires him to travel. So everyone bids him farewell, and off he goes. Bao Yu is very pleased because his, you know, tyrannical father is no longer around. Um, he receives a letter from his half-sister, Tan Chun, uh, who also lives in the garden. In this letter, she says she wants to start a poetry club, and would he be interested in joining? So he heads over, and on the way, he receives word that um, a relative of his, a man called Jia Yun, has brought him a gift of several crab flower trees. Now, Jia Yun, as we know, is um, he's a kind of poor relative of the central family who lives nearby, and despite being older than Bao Yu, Bao Yu has kind of jokingly adopted him as his own son, and so Jia Yun dis- uh, addresses Bao Yu as father. Anyway, Bao Yu continues on his way, and when he arrives at Tan Chun's house, he finds her, Dai Yu, Bao Chai, Xi Chun, Xi Chun, and Ying Chun, and shortly afterwards Li Wan arrives as well. Um, so quite a crowd. There, they all talk about this idea of a poetry club. They discuss various aspects of it, like how often it will meet, who will be the chair, who will judge the poems, and so forth. They also all choose pen names for each of the members. And on the spur of the moment, they decide to compose poems there and then, inspired by the white crabflower trees that Baoyu has just received. Um, And in honour of this, they choose the name the Crabflower Club to describe the poetry club. Uh, In the meantime... Baoyu's maid, Aroma, has been preparing some gifts to send to Xiangyun, um, who, as we know, recently returned to her uncle and aunt's home after visiting the mansion. Um, while looking for a particular dish that she wants to use to send with the gifts, uh, Aroma is drawn into a discussion with the other maids about various household matters, uh, including one maid who was given some cash and some clothes by Grandmother Jia and Lady Wang. Uh, this results in uh, a few sarcastic comments about Aroma's relationship with Bao Yu and her new special status among the servants. Uh, meanwhile, the poetry club has finished. Um, Bao Yu hears that Aroma has sent some things to Xiang Yun and realizes that he should have invited her to join the poetry club. Uh, he instead invites her the next day, and at an impromptu meeting, she composes two poems in the same form as the as the ones that everyone else did the previous day. Uh, everyone is duly impressed with her efforts, and Xiang Yun decides she will host the next meeting. So Xiang Yun and Bao Chai have a discussion about the next meeting of the club, and they decide to combine it with a party where crabs will be served for dinner, and the guests can admire the cassia flowers in the garden. They also decide that the theme of the poems for the next meeting should be the chrysanthemum flower, and together they come up with a sequence of 12 different motifs related to chrysanthemums. And that's where the chapter 
ends. Okay, great. Um, that's so. There's a lot going on, uh, and this yeah, really yeah. feels like a uh, like a, a heavier chapter. We're we're probably going to spend uh, two sessions on it, which means likely four episodes. So it's one of our. We've done that occasionally in the past. Chapter five. Yeah. I think we all we did that for chapter um, eighteen when they stroll through the garden for the first time. And they compose yep. poems. It's usually the poem chapters that take a little longer. But even in terms of like sheer length, this chapter clocks in at around 46 paragraphs, which is maybe 50% uh, longer than what we've been seeing recently. Um, mm -hmm. There's some really interesting themes in this chapter. There's a sense, uh, as I've stated in, in previous episodes, that we're kind of turning in word. And this is kind of a, like a, the next stage of the fantasy or the fantasy within the fantasy. Um, there's a lot to talk about with some kind of like subtle imagery here and there. Um, we'll probably talk about this later, but it was interesting to me that, uh, the image of the, um, the crab flower, or I guess like the cherry apple, the, um, Bai Hai Tong that we, that mm. we, we see in this chapter, we've seen this specific, uh, image before in, uh, Chinka Ching, in Chinka room with the, uh, the matching couplet alongside um, alongside a painting that's discussed in that chapter. Um, and it, it occurs to me that uh, Chinka Ching's death was on, you know, uh, in chapter 13. So the beginning of the, of the second 12 chapter mm -hmm. cycle, which we're kind of, we're sort of hypothesizing. That's a, I, I think that's a, an established theory in the, in, in the secondary literature, but it's, it's still contentious, right? He, we see again uh, a kind of a, a subtle reference back to Chinkaching um, at the kind of like a, during a chapter that's parallel to the one in which she dies. That's kind of interesting to me. I, I'm not sure what to make of that in terms of the symbolism. Yeah. So in chapter five, Bao Yu is at a party where they're admiring the plum blossoms, winter plum blossoms, yes. I think it is. And. Um, he feels tired, and so he goes for a lie down in the bedroom of, as you said, Qin Keqing, who's one of the young women of the of the household. Um, she said because hers is the closest bedroom, um, and so he goes off to sleep there. <clears throat> and decorating the wall, um, there was a painting by Tang Yin entitled "Spring Slumber," depicting a beautiful woman asleep under a crabapple tree whose buds had not yet opened. The painting was flanked on either side by a pair of calligraphic scrolls inscribed with a couplet from the brush of the song poet Qin Guan. On one side, the coldness of spring has imprisoned the soft buds in a wintry dream. On the other side, the fragrance of wine has intoxicated the beholder with imagined flower mm -hmm. scents. Um, and the name of that, uh, of that painting is Haitong Chun Meng Tu, so, um, like, uh, crab apple, uh, sp spring sleep, um, painting, like literally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we, we see exactly. again, this, these, this image of the connection between, uh, dreaming and the seasons. Uh, and also I, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, in chapter, in chapter five, uh, he, Bao Yu is, um, kind of slipping away from the plum blossom um, festival, right? Um, and, and so yeah. 
I've been thinking a lot actually this this week about the the relationship between these kind of ornamental trees, so trees with flowers on them, right? Um, and, and so if we think about it, like uh, a plum blossom, and this like uh, this crab apple tree, these are similar sort of um, these are similar trees, right? And we also see like uh, other uh, kind of categories I would um, compare to these would be something like sometimes you'll see in English. Uh, What's, what's translated as uh, peach blossom, uh, taohua. You also see apricot blossom, xinghua. Uh, you'll see two different kinds of, of uh, plum blossoms. One is lihua, and the other one is lihua. <laughs> so one is a, a second tone, and the other one is third tone. Um, and you also see sometimes cherry blossoms, inghua. Mm. Uh, and, and so, uh, as well as, you know, meihua. Uh, and so these are all kind of similar, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I, I was looking at pictures today to try to like uh, like keep them straight in my mind, especially because uh, there's going to be a lot of flower-related poems, and, and maybe like understanding the flowers, the, these like kind of subtle differences would be helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, because in this chapter, we're going to be dealing with the uh, yeah with these. Um, I guess what what is Hawks translated as the. Uh, uh, crab, crab apple. apple. Okay, crab apple. That's that's kind of confusing as well. Um, were you able to yeah, kind not, of uh, visualize? Let me have a look. These uh, what we're dealing with with this chapter. Um, I'm gonna have a quick look. Pull up some pictures just now. Remind me, just as an aside, when they when they're doing the tour of the garden, and they talk about the maiden tree or like the was that also the was that also a kind of high tang um, uh, hold on let me just search oh nuar nuar tang is the name of that that tree do you remember the one the oh uh, like, vaguely yeah um which is what sorry just this is getting a bit off topic and we can cut this maybe but it's what the um the red and green from Yu's house right um, the green is from like bananas or plantains and the red is from this tree which is the kind of I think Hawks does describe it as a crab apple um, okay but but that one in that case has like a bright red flower whereas this from the um, description is a kind of pure white right right and, and there might be yeah. uh, high tongue that have like some you know more or less uh, shades of pink in them uh, based on the poems mm. that are uh, described in this chapter, based on the poems describing uh, this flower in this chapter, they seem to be mostly white, right? A kind of a real, like a subtle, maybe like a subtle like shade of pink, but mostly white. Is that, is that the impression you got? Yeah, they, the, yeah, I got the yeah the sense that it was maybe just slightly off white somehow, okay. you know. Um, it's so common to see these terms. Um, and, and it becomes kind of uh, like, like what's the difference between like a, like a cherry blossom and uh, a peach blossom? And, and you know, and, and and the answer is it's kind of subtle. Um, um, but beyond that, yeah, this this is an interesting chapter. There's some great poetry. Uh, we have like a, a classic moment with Dayu uh, doing some kind of like real, like a uh, rock star, like uh, swagger. Um, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, she knocks it out of the park, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of a fun chapter. It's light. 
uh, and I, I kind of treated it like in the along those on those terms. Let's say, what, what do you think? What, what are your like any general impressions? Yeah, the 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 poetry is very good. I like. I always enjoy getting stuck into it. There are a few quite good moments. There are a few bits where people get rather kind of uh, catty and sarcastic that uh, I think we can pick up as mm -hmm. we go through. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all round a all round a good chapter. Um, can I? I was going to ask: Should we do a quick analysis of the title? Because uh, I I know you'd be kind of keen to do that um, uh, lately. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see here. So the, the Hawk's rendering is a happy inspiration prompts Tanchun to found the Crab Flower Club. And an ingenious arrangement enables Bao Chai to settle the chrysanthemum poem titles. Yeah. yeah. So in Chinese, that's Qiu Shuang Jai. So the 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 pavilion of autumn coolness, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, old year, um, Hai Tang Shua. So Hai Tang Shua is the crab flower club, as we're calling it in English. Um, and old year is kind of like by chance found to found, basically. So mm -hmm. yeah, in the in the pavilion of autumn cool, the crab flower study, the crab flower club or society is 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 founded kind of yeah by happy coincidence is quite a good way to put it which i think is what hawk said a happy inspiration um and yeah. then yeah the 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 next one is hung hung wu yuan so that's all spice court the home of uh, bao chai mm -hmm. um yeah is at night time and then remind me is this one e or ni i always forget ni yeah like to plan oh yeah yeah so Yes, uh, right, to, right. To, to like to draft um, up, and then, yeah, uh, Juhuati is the literally chrysanthemum titles, um, mm -hmm. chrysanthemum chrysanthemum flower titles. Right. Um, so to start off, we have um, uh, basically Jia Zheng's departure, um, and is there anything much you want to say here? Um, this is just you know. This is the indication, you know, uh, the the father, the paternal authority figure is absent. Uh, it's time to um, delve mm -hmm. deeper into the dream. Time to have some fun. So, uh, I think this is quite a common thing, isn't it? You know, when you're when you're a high official in China, um, you would commonly be sent uh, here, there, and everywhere um, because obviously the the empire is very large and they need uh competent officials who can kind of implement the emperor's will uh, all across that um um and so this i suppose is um no exception yeah no exception sorry i was just trying to find an example of of like another um imperial official and where you kind of like f find examples of um them getting sent here there and everywhere um so i mean just just to pick a <laughs> pick an example one of the most prominent um imperial officials of the 19th century so a little bit later than this but still under the qing dynasty was um uh, li hongzhang <clears throat> who basically he served as viceroy of multiple different provinces he was um you know sent to suppress 
rebellions in different part of the, parts of the country. You know, he, he held multiple different roles. So the idea of, I think, you know, of an imperial official being kind of sent um, to distant parts of the country is uh, is very kind of normal, very common sort of um, practice is all, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Long story short, Jiajung is going to be gone for a while. Um, well, it's interesting that immediately Bao Yu becomes, he's feeling kind of bored. Uh, I wonder I wonder if this is, we've seen this before. Um, he was bored before mm. and one of his um, his servants brought him some uh, scandalous literature kind of thing. Do you think that he's bored? I, I wasn't sure if that necessarily, if I necessarily agree with that. I thought that he was idle, but I didn't know that this necessarily uh, equated to boredom. Yeah, I think there's, there's comments to that effect. I mean, he's definitely, now that his father is away, he's definitely straying even further from the path of kind of like uprightness and like proper study and dedication. Um, I mean, like the Chinese that I noticed particular, particularly was that he... Um, Zhen Ba Guang Yin, so truly Ba Guang Yin Xu Du, so wasted or spent in vain all of his time. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, Sui Yue Kong Tian, so the, the months and years accumulated in vain, uh-huh. basically, or kind of like passed by in vain, something like that. Uh-huh. Right. Well, but the, the very next line is Zhe Ru. Right, and and so he he felt bored, but only for, only for that one day, right? Uh, and it seems oh, like true. it's at, at this true. very moment that the uh, mm. uh, the letter from Tantrun arrives, right? So it's kind of um, its timing seems uh, very apt, let's say, right? And it, and it seems yeah. the, the speed everyone in the garden responds to the letter. So Tantrun has sent letters not only to Bao Yu, but to all the main, all of our favorites uh, have received letters, except, um, as we'll see, Shishang Yun was um, mm-hmm. neglected. But uh, they, they make up for that later, right? Um, and so at, at this moment, uh, Bao Yu, yeah. Uh, yeah. he is excited to receive um this rather grandioloquent what's the word it's uh grandiloquent yeah grandiloquent. I, well, yeah there I, we go i'm tempted to use the i'm tempted to use the term floral okay um, yeah because it describes not just the quality of the language but also the paper itself so i i, I don't know if you dwell on this much but the the servant brings him um something called Huajian, mm. which basically means like flower stationery, something like that. So it's this very particular, um, very particular kind of of paper um, that um, kind of a certain kind of Chinese intellectual we commonly use for for writing letters, and it's uh, decorated with floral patterns. Comes in lots and lots of different sort of forms. But yeah, it's it's beyond just kind of like a, a plain plain letter paper or, or even kind of headed or anything. It's 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 decorated with a floral pattern. So it's it's very kind of there's a there's a kind of luxurious quality about it, I suppose. Um I think so. Um there's still a sense in this scene that they are kind of almost like playing at uh you know adulthood in a sense. Um Yeah. Right. 
And there's a little bit of that happening here where it, it has this kind of simulated quality to it. Yeah, you know, I I can remember at school, like in in high school, uh, a friend of a friend uh, had this habit of writing people letters, but typewriting them on on an old fashioned typewriter. <laughs> yes, um, yes. When that's, I'm sure, like, <laughs> when I'm sure, like, a, a text message would have done fine. Um, and yeah, I was kind of reminded of that the the, the play acting at being at being adults. Yes, yes. We should start sending grandiloquent text messages with like uh <laughs> change the font to I, I, I don't know like garamond or something <laughs> you know something a little fancier <laughs> um it, it is interesting though that you know joking aside there is kind of a, an interesting comment here on kind of the like the gendered uh like uh, nature of historical poetry writing right uh, yes, and, and so Tan Chun makes a comment to the effect that you know, even though historically you know poetry clubs were you know uh, dominated by uh, male uh, poets, you know why not? Why can't we do the same mm. with our um, predominantly female uh, group? You know, our, our, our like uh, flower gang, you know, basically our garden gang. <laughs> that's kind of cool and so that's actually kind of an interesting and i think a pretty important sentiment that's that seems to be underlying a lot of what we see and, and that would be uh kind of like supporting evidence for people who for readers of hong lumang who want to uh interpret it as some kind of like proto uh like feminist gesture right there's definitely uh material there uh to work with for that interpretation i think yeah, uh, what one of the things that's interesting to me is Bao Yu is the only man uh, invited to join the um, the poetry club, and maybe that's just a just kind of circumstance that there are many more women in the family than men, um, and there are no other kind of suitably poetic men that they know of. But if you were to think about it, any of the other male characters would be horribly out of place in that crowd. And in fact, some of them you think would be kind of quite boorish and maybe rather mm -hmm. ruin the atmosphere. So I mean, Jia Huan or Xue Pan, uh, or indeed someone like Jia Lian, like they would no good. I think they would kind of ruin. They would ruin the atmosphere. They'd be no good. Uh, and so I think it says something about Bao Yu's kind of special um, identity. You know that he is not merely kind of equally at home in the company of men and women, but actually seems to be much more comfortable in the company of women. And as such is kind of embraced in a way as, yeah, almost a kind of honorary member of the, of an otherwise kind of all-female poetry club. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've, we've seen in previous chapters, uh, there's a kind of, Shrepan tried to make poetry in the one chapter to a hilarious effect, right? And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see that <laughs> exactly very bad, in, it, wasn't he? in future chapters, uh, more like uh, Chopin, like like blunders, uh, stumbling and mumbling, um, and, and so yeah, yeah, maybe it is Bao Yu's special status. Uh, it's also simply maybe an artifact of uh, his relation to power as well. Uh, the the fact that you know he is the center of these these very triangles. Uh, of influence and uh, mm -hmm. 
and I guess we'll see whether his poetry is any better or worse than uh, his um, female companions, right? There's some indication that maybe his is not the best, uh, if not the worst. Mm. We we can see what, you know, I want want to see what your opinion is on that when we we get there. TBC, Mm. yeah. So this is not the only uh, letter that Bao Yu receives. I thought this was kind of an interesting uh, way to structure the chapter. I feel like this can't be uh, enti- this can't be coincidental. I-, I think we're supposed to contrast instance, yeah. Tantrun's letter to Baoyu with with uh, Jiayun's uh, letter to Baoyu, um, which also mm-hmm. I guess makes errors at uh, kind of formality uh, maybe less successfully. Uh, but I think his gesture is also noted on some level, appreciated, and actually, unbeknownst to Zhao Yun, his um mm-hmm. his gift to Bao Yu becomes the subject of their first um like poetry ec- exercise. Uh, maybe there's something going on there, in terms of like he's delivering some symbols, uh, even if he's not going to be a part of the party. Yeah, he he. Yeah, <laughs> the whole letter to me had like a slightly, even though it's written very straight, to me it had like a kind of comedic quality, you know. Oh yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we first meet Jiayun, um, Baoyu, Baoyu already knows him in passing, um, but yeah, he makes this throwaway comment about how um, Jiayun looks like he could be his son. Um, and this is kind of a joke because Jiayun is six or seven years older than him. But obviously, because he's of a much lower social status, he actually leaps at the idea. And we can see in this letter that he's fully kind of embraced it, the idea of um, um, of him being his son. Um, so so he, I mean, among other things, he says, uh, So I wish my father... Uh, well, actually, he calls him Fu Qin Da Ren, so m- the great person, my father, or like my great father, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Wan Fu Jin An, so 10,000 um, ausp- auspices, 10,000 fortunes, and golden peace. Okay. Um, and he goes on to say, um, <laughs> so day and night, I think only of how to be. <laughs> filial to you as as your son um, yeah. but he, but i have not yet i suppose had some way of demonstrating that filiality to mm. you basically um and yeah i mean in, in kind of confucian in the confucian worldview of the time i guess a, a son should be filial i.e xiao mm-hmm. to his father um and so Jia Yun is very much leaning into this, uh, but it comes off to me as kind of faintly ridiculous. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> to me that this happens on the same in the same chapter where uh, Bao Yu's actual father uh, has, you know, vacated the premises. And, and so not mm-hmm. only is Bao Yu's father gone, he gets to kind of, uh, like, role-play uh, being a father... You know, with Jiayun. 
<laughs> and so, I, I, yeah, I thought maybe that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah, and we see just a, a, an echo of this later in the chapter when we learn that, in a similar way, um, Balu has shown his kind of like filiality to his mother and grandmother by offering them the first <clears throat> sprigs of of uh, a particular flower that he picked uh, that season, you know, and in that small gesture which is kind of similar, I suppose, to the one that Jiayun is making to him now. He's he's demonstrated his kind of like, you know, his his goodness, his piousness as a as a son, as a grandson. But I guess, long story short, the uh, his this this filial gesture is um, <laughs> we will recall that Jiayun he got the uh, the good kind of gardening gig. Uh, uh, we we learned about this a few chapters back. He had to. Um, he had to sort of bribe uh, Shifeng, right? Um, and so he got this gardening gig, and as a consequence, he knows, yeah. you know, all the best. You know, he's got the best, uh, like the best flowers, the best plants, and, and and so on. And so he's he's gifting him a, a, yeah. a, a, in the Hawks translation, it reads, a rare variety of crab flower. Uh, and it says pure white. Um, and so he, this is kind of a, maybe a, a rare uh, strain. Yeah, but because um, the the crab flower, as as Hawks describes it, is yeah normally a it's normally a red color. It's normally, you know, if you if you search Hai Tang, the word the Chinese name for it, you yeah you normally get these red or pinkish flowers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in this case, it's going to be all white. Yeah, so this is a rare, as we said, rare variant. So he says, thanks very much, and please deliver the plants to my chambers. And then he carries on on his way. Um, before too long, he arrives at um, <clears throat> the Chiu uh, Chuang Jai, the, 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 what Hawks is called Autumn Studio. Yeah, the kind of studio mm -hmm. of autumn coolness, something like that. Um, and so there he finds uh, Tan Chuan herself, since it's her home, but also Bao Chai, Daiyu, Ying Chun, and Qi Chun. So all of our favorites uh, have already assembled uh, at <laughs> Tan Chun's place. Mm -hmm. They've they also got the letter, they got the news, yeah. uh, they got the memo, uh, the fancy memo, and uh, and yeah. it's just like a instant party because uh, everyone was feeling kind of uh, listless and. Uh, without purpose yeah. and now they have a reason uh you know to to carry on it's just kind of uh it's nice nice chapter um do you want to talk about i thought the uh the issue of uh the naming was really interesting uh but before we get there i, I don't want to skip over yeah anything. I, there's a few kind of comments here and there um, uh, i'm happy to jump straight into the naming um unless there's anything you want to well, I, I think you know Dayu claims to you know not not to be up to the task, so she's playing this kind of um, what what Hawks translates Bao Yu saying as false modesty, uh, and so of course, of course you want to participate, mm. and actually it's this this moment when uh, Li Wan also arrives, um, uh, and she's a bit older than the rest of them. She is, if we remind ourselves, she's the widow of Jia Zhu who's uh, Baoyu's older brother. But I think he's probably quite significantly older than Baoyu, as in they're not just... They they wouldn't have been just a couple of years apart. Um, 
I'm imagining he was, I don't know about you, but I'm imagining he was maybe five or more years older than him. Um, okay, yeah, I think so. Um, and so he was married to Li Wan, and then he died young, and Li Wan is now this, this widowed figure. And, you know, in many ways, she's depicted as this kind of almost kind of unrealistically saintly mm-hmm. widow um, whose kind of only care is for her her son and you know she's always kind of well behaved and and um congenial i suppose yeah yeah um and because and because she's older than everyone else and because she's also not a very talented poet as we'll see she will go on to be kind of the the chair of the club mm. um she's the adult in the room so to speak yes um it's kind of interesting since it's a, like a poetry club it's supposed to be a kind of a like society of equals uh and so all, all of these you know the uh the kinship terms that they've been using uh tend to uh like designate rank as well as um like familial relationship uh and so it's all too formal and so in order to become equals they need like a whole they need a new, a new naming system they need a new uh, kind of a semantic space. Uh, and so they're, they're all getting new names. And hopefully this won't make the text mm. more difficult to read because you're like, oh, I just, I, I finally learned the, the primary names. But I, I think it adds a lot. <laughs> um, and this conversation, there's a really, there's a few like kind of key moments uh, of like kind of insinuation and uh, tomfoolery and what have you. So let's go over the names, shall we? Yeah, so Li Wan goes first, and she picks uh, Dao Xiang Lao Nong. So she lives in this part of the garden, which I think mm-hmm. was called Dao Xiang Tuan, so Sweet Rice Village. So she's taking the Sweet Rice part of the name of her of her house, and then she's adding Lao Nong, which literally means like old farmer or old peasant, um, which I guess is. Uh, <laughs> Kind of a tongue-in-cheek okay, name, yeah. considering that she's obviously never got yeah. her hands dirty once in her life. Um, um, <laughs> but it's also maybe a nod of the head to the fact that because she includes this old mm. character, it's a recognition that she's mm-hmm. uh, a bit more senior than everyone else. There's a question then of what Tan Chun should be. Um, uh, she was thinking uh, Autumn Studio. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Chiu Shuang Ju basically so chiu shuang as we said is the autumn cool which is the what her her home is named after but then ju where is the name of her home is chiu shuang jai this is chiu shuang ju which and ju can be like the name of a place but it can also be the one who dwells there or like ju can be like it can have a, like a verb form as well so uh-huh. so here i think it's more like uh autumn cool uh-huh. dweller you know something like that um um, but people say that that's unoriginal, you know. We can't just all name ourselves after the um, after the places we live. And so instead, I, I think it's Tantra offers a second choice, right? And she says, "Jiao uh, Sha Ke, eat the uh, banana, the plantains." She yeah, she says, "I I should call myself under the plantains." Exactly. So Jiao Sha Ke, yeah, the one who dwells beneath the plantains. Or who spends time beneath them, um, and uh, most people say it is 
both biezhi, which means like unique or unconventional, and simultaneously youqu, so like interesting, you know, uh -huh. uh, except for Dayu. Yeah. What does she make of uh, it? She makes this kind of cryptic remark. Um, she's like sort of, she's already mm. showing off. Shameless. Shameless. Um, <laughs> let me find it in the in the Hawks here. Uh, come on, everybody. Pupper in the stew pot. We'll have a nice piece of venison with our wine. Um, and, and, and apparent, and so she's referencing uh, Under the Plantains. It's a, 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 a a Taoist reference. Um, the Chinese here says that it's from Zhuangzi, but okay. I think it's actually Liezi, uh, like another one of the, uh, but yeah, a one of the Taoist philosophers. Yeah, and the story is that, um, yeah, it's this this phrase, jiao ye fu lu, so the um, using plantain leaves to cover a deer. Um, in the story, a woodcutter. He killed the deer, and and then he hid the body uh, in a pit under some plantain leaves, um, so that other people couldn't find find it. But later, he himself couldn't find it, and then he wasn't sure whether mm. the whole thing was a dream or not. <laughs> that was the best summary I could find. I don't know. Do you do, um, do you know much about this this story? I, I've heard it a while back. That's basically the gist of it. Yeah, and so it's said to be in the Zhuangzi, but it's actually from the Liezi. Uh, if you can find it in Zhou Mu Wang Pian. So yeah, she explains the joke. In the in this Taoist text, there's a story of um hiding a deer carcass under plantain leaves. Mm. So if if Tantrun wants to be called the one under the plantain leaves, that means she must be a deer, isn't that right? Um Right. So it's it's a a classic instance of, you know, like when you use language you know, you might not be aware of like the the, the mm. entirety of the the semantic space that you're like conjuring, and so it's it's an example of language being sort of within, but also you know without outside the control of of its individual mm. um, user. Yeah, I mean, there are these very classic examples with gifts you should never give in to a Chinese person. You know, one of them being. Um, a green hat because that implies cuckoldry one of them being a clock because that implies death um mm -hmm. but you know the the more erudite you are the more you'll know of these other different references that you, you shouldn't make unless you're planning to imply something very specific um mm -hmm. and so yeah i think we think dayu is she is showing off a bit definitely um, yeah she yeah, she's, <laughs> she's, ca she's causing trouble but uh you know the the favor is returned almost immediately. Dayu makes this kind of slightly... She makes a joke about the name proposed by um, Tantuan, which is rather erudite, and nobody really gets it, so she has to explain it. Um, but unexpectedly, Tantuan kind of... Um, <laughs> she she hits right back. Yeah, she returns um, in kind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> she dishes it right back out. Um so what's the joke that she comes up with? Let me just read the Hawks. And so in the Hawks, it, the translation reads, Oh, all right, Miss Clever. Uh, I'll be even with you yet. I've got just the name for you. So then she goes on. When, when Emperor Shun died, 
His two queens are supposed to have gone along the banks of the river Shang looking for him. According to the legend, the two queens turned into river goddesses and their tears became the spots you find now on the bamboo that grow along the banks of the river. Uh, that's why there's a, bam there's a bamboo called Naiad's Tears. Uh, and so, well now, uh, Cousin Dai lives in the Naiads and she cries so much. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of these days the bamboo in her courtyard all turned out to have spots on them. Uh, so clearly the best pen name for her would be River Queen. Which is, oh, that's really good. Uh, and, and everyone uh, yeah. really uh, appreciates everyone claps. This, uh, this remark. Yeah. Um, and we've talked a little yeah. bit about uh, uh, kind of the, this idea of the... Um, so she lives in the Shaoshangguan, uh, which, mm -hmm. which Hawks has rendered the Naiad's house. Uh, and we've talked about yeah. the uh, Shaoshang Shen, the, the, the river immortals um, associated with this story of, of, of Shun dying and his, his two, I guess, filial wives, um, you know, mourning and in mourning becoming uh, like goddesses, uh, river immortals, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's yeah. the explanation for yeah, there really yeah. are these spotted bamboo. Uh, they've been referenced even by Dayu herself. So she she's used this. Um, she's already acknowledged herself as the uh, as contributing spots on the bamboo from her uh, her debt of tears that that is constantly being repaid. And so you know this is a, a mic drop moment, and there's nothing she can do except accept it. She is River Queen. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, as we said before, the the name that she gets is Xiaoxiang Feizi. So Xiaoxiang, as we said, is this difficult thing to translate as a concept. You know, it's it's uh, a physical part of China, um, kind of around the Xiang River in mm -hmm. southern central China, which flows into the Yangtze, um, and it's today occupies kind of mostly uh the province of hunan but also parts of surrounding areas yeah. in mm -hmm. uh for oh. example guizhou uh hubei and elsewhere and yeah it's a land of of lakes and rivers but it's a land of um kind of misty mountains and things as well and and because it's not you know in 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 the midst of history it wasn't kind of the historic chinese heartland um it was somewhere oh. in a way kind of slightly distant or separate from um um yeah the yeah. the 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 kind of the the center a kind of internal yeah like a, a kind of like internal otherness basically from our yeah. modern uh perspective so it was this kind of um this is a land of uh <clears throat> of uh you know the the first poetic work the chutsu and, and so we see kind of, um, there's also a strong kind of like, this is a, the land of poetry. You know, this is the kind of the, uh, yeah, like the, the edge of the, the, the kingdom in the, the pre-imperial times. And so it has this kind of veneer of uh, illusion and the, the misty kind of fringes.
And I think your point about it being also kind of like a dreamland is correct because even though it does occupy a physical space, it really exists as a conceptual mm -hmm. space yes. in the kind of yeah. in the shared like consciousness of of um, I guess kind of particularly Chinese like intellectuals uh, or more kind of educated Chinese or, or or certainly you know in in kind of Chinese culture writ large. Mm -hmm. um, um, as this yes like like wild and mysterious place um um so, a common and so subject, yeah because yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and so because that whole thing is quite difficult to translate i think that's why we see hawks using this naiad idea you know so yeah. that, that being a, a, an ancient greek kind of water nymph yeah a, a parallel um, construction um yeah yeah it kind of carries some of the same some of the same mm -hmm. connotations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the, we have a few more names to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's um, crack on. Let's so crack we on. have, we have Dayu. Now it's time for uh, Bao Chai, uh, who lives mm -hmm. in the Allspice Garden, uh, Hung Wu Yuan. And um, so maybe her name is going to be spice related. And, and so in, in the Hawks, it's rendered Lady Allspice. Yeah. In the Chinese, it's Hung Wu Jun, so Hung Wu again from the name of her of her home, and Jun being, well, it's it's a word originally for like the, the, uh, the kind of ideal gentleman figure, right? Uh, the yeah. Jun's like yeah, is mm -hmm. is like kind of the, but but here I guess it's more just generally kind of, like a noble figure, something like that. Hence, lady. Maybe that's also. Uh, a testament to this um, this moment as a kind of uh, like proto-feminist gesture where you have this um, term traditionally uh, reserved for, for male uh, poets mm -hmm. now being, or let's say male scholars, uh, uh, like knight scholars, if you want to go down that road, yeah. uh, being extended now to... Um, uh, to a, a young lady. Yeah, she's, so. she's claiming it for herself. She's kind of staking out territory there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a interesting uh, gesture. So then we go into naming Bao Yu, and Bao Yu. Yeah, there, there are four different names suggested. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so, Bao uh, Chai suggests um, Hawks translates it as busybody, as him, because he's yeah. always busy doing nothing. Um, okay. And this is exactly what it is in the Chinese. It's Wu Shi Mang. So, nothing to be busy with, essentially. Um, okay. Which is, I think, perhaps a little bit cruel. But we've heard in recent chapters that while he's been kind of loafing around doing nothing, Bao Chai and others, but her especially, have tried to kind of convince him to apply himself and, you know, generally get, uh -huh. get on the right track to, you know... Studying hard and and achieving something with his life rather than just frittering it away, uh, and he's he's always been very dismissive of this, and in fact quite rude sometimes when when pressed too hard on it. Yes, yes, particularly toward uh, Bao Chai, yeah. Uh, yeah. and so she's the one who proposes this name, and it's quickly rejected. <laughs> uh, and then uh, mm -hmm. Li Wan, who again is older, and she. She reminds Bao Yu that he already has a, a kind of style name. Uh, Hawks has rendered it Lord of the Lord of the Flowers, mm. 
in the original yeah. it's Jiang Dong Hua Zhu. Uh and so mm-hmm. it's the same uh actually Hawks is kind of um I guess buried the lead a little bit, right? And so he has it simply as Hua Zhu as Flower King. But um but actually the the full name in the original is this so Jiang as in Jiang Zhu, we've seen that before the uh, the Crimson Pearl. Uh and so the Jiang Dong would be, I guess, the the crimson the crimson cave, the crimson cave. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Um, that's a good way of doing it. So he's the the flo- the the crimson cave flower king. That's his full title. Uh, so mm. you ca- you come to reread and we give you the all the juicy uh, tidbits, <laughs> right? It's not simply flower king. Yeah. It's crimson cave flower king, uh, and she is trying mm. to humiliate him because it's a. A silly, a, a kind of name that I guess, uh, like, someone even more immature than Bao Yu, in his present um, iteration, would choose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, also maybe it kind of for the reader, it, it definitely harkens back to some of the like the chapter one, uh, Tai Shu Huan Jing material. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. And then, um, then Bao Chai suggests another one again. I I don't think any of this is intended to be in very bad. It's intended to be really unkind, but they're definitely having a bit of a dig. At yeah, it. yeah, it's um, it's lighthearted though. It's not malicious. Yeah. So she says, um, "Well, what about? We all know that you know two of the hardest things to obtain under um, you know in the world are um, a fortune and." I guess, like a leisure or like, you know, free time, something like that. Um, But you have both of these things. Um, So we should call you (laughs) something like the, 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 the Lord of leisure. Oh, um, the Hawks translation is lucky lounger. Um, In the Chinese, it's fu gui xian ren. So yeah, fu, fu being kind of like, literally kind of like rich, wealthy, gui being Precious, but also here noble, I suppose. And then Xianren is kind of like a, a person at ease. Uh, a lounger is quite a good one. Yeah, slacker. An idler. Idler, yeah, yeah, exactly. But actually, the final suggestion is given by Dayu, and this mm-hmm. is the one that's taken up. And she's like, well, you live in the Yihongyuan, uh, uh, right? Yeah. The, uh, which, which here, here uh, it gets kind of complicated because this is the one that Hawks has has rendered uh, the House of Green Delights. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original, he is the uh, Hong Gongzi. So he's like the. Uh, how do you translate that? Like the. Yeah, Gongzi could be like yeah, Lord, Lord or something yeah. again. A, a, again, because because the words for nobility in English and in Chinese don't neatly map onto one another. It's, um, yeah, it's sometimes a bit frustrating trying to, trying to kind of carry out that exercise but yeah i will say that a lot of these terms they do seem to be roughly analogous to what what, what would be considered quote-unquote feudal terms as, as kind of a side that's why this like weird discussion over like oh like oh no like they've uh western scholars have applied uh like uh like western terminology to a, a chinese context like this isn't actually like feng jian shui this isn't actually feudal society uh, but then you see these terms, and they they really like they really look like feudal <laughs> terms, and, and so you have this really like strange uh, 
issue now in, 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 in like secondary literature and sinology of like, well, is it like feudalism or not? Is feudalism a valid construct or is it like, is it like a, a tyrannical construct? Uh, yeah, I think I think the the reluctance to apply the word feudalism to describe Chinese society at various points in the past is I, I can understand where it's coming from, but I think it's just a handy shorthand. You're not saying it's literally identical to European feudalism circa 1200. Exactly right. It, it's that's the way language. It, it's as if some some of these objections are from people who haven't thought like carefully enough about how language works and how it's like mm -hmm. language is often an approximation because you, you can't have perfectly precise meaning with these abstract symbols. So you have to approximate something, and it's going to be a little bit off here and a little bit on here. And it's, it's <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, but that's an aside. Uh, that's well, something that. I was thinking about though. Um, rant over. <laughs> I, no, but I do agree. Over. I do agree. So, so yeah. So Dayu suggests, you know, you live in the the house of green delights. So we should call you Green Boy. Um, right. And so Gongzi, yeah. I suppose here, which is can be like Lord or maybe like uh -huh. Lordling. You know, um, young Lord, yeah. young Lord, young Master, something like that. Okay. So they, yeah, they choose they choose that for him. Um, and then we briefly learned that uh, Ying Chun and Xi Chun have been given names, mm -hmm. respectively, uh, Ling Zhou and Ou Xie. So, okay. um, I may have got them mixed up here. I think Ying Chun's house is uh, Zi Ling Zhou. So the it's like the island of purple caltrops, something like that. Yes. Um, yeah. And so they're just going to going to give her Caltrop Island as her name, and okay. then Xi Chun is. Uh, she's at home in the the Lotus Fragrance Pavilion, so the Ouxiang Xie, and so yeah, she's she's gonna be she's gonna be Lotus Pavilion. Um, and so basically, they they go over some kind of like the rules of the game. They're gonna meet maybe twice a twice a month, rain or shine. I, I noticed. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Hawks translates uh, that as wet or fine. Is that is that a, a yeah. Britishism? I think what? you'd say like fine or fair. Oh <laughs> uh, well, no, foul or fair. Fair or fair. Well, I don't know. He, he has it. Wet or fine? Yeah, it doesn't sound that familiar to me. Isn't that bizarre? Okay, I was wondering about that because yeah. we would say rain or shine, which is like yeah. right there. It even kind of it rhymes with wet or fine. And so I was wondering if that's some yeah. Kind no, of that's regional... a, that's a peculiar one for me. I not uh, <laughs> not going on there. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're, they're setting down the rules of the game basically. They say what Li Wan will be chair. And then Ying Chun and Xi Chun, who are not themselves much good at poetry, yeah. will have these kind of supporting roles mm -hmm. where uh, I think I think it says Ying Chun will be the one who sets the, the rhythm or meter mm -hmm. um, and Xi Chun will help with like copying out the poems afterwards or something along those lines. Um, yeah, one of them will do the... Uh... The second one will be like a, a supervisor, maybe, uh, maybe check to see whether mm. people are cheating. Uh, maybe I don't. Uh, there was some idea that like maybe they would, you know, convene in, in a couple of days. But Tantrun says, you know, well, we're here now. Let's do it. You know, we, we're all, we've all um, assembled. Let's have our first go at, uh, you know, first run of the game. Yeah, she says, let's not, let's not hang around. Let's just do it here and. Right here. Yeah, and so they're they're establishing the rules. Uh, as for the subject, now Li Wan apparently had observed 
the you know the the transport of the white crab blossoms to mm. uh Baoyu's place right that we talked about a moment ago that uh that Jia Yun gifted him uh so she had seen these crab blossoms they're on her mind she proposes them as the first so we have we have the the subject mm. is the white crab blossoms there's some complaint like why uh I think it's Ying Chun says I haven't seen them yet uh, and then Bao Chai says, you know, mm. okay, well, you know, the whole idea is you're you're an artist, you have an imagination, you can go based on your imagination, right? It doesn't matter, just do what kind of comes to mind. And then there's, so they they, they take a a book of verse off the shelf, they uh they, they decide to do uh, an octet in regulated verse. This is going to be um, eight lines, seven characters seven per characters line, per which line. is kind of the standard like the the, the uh, tong. Kind of one of the standard Tong uh, regulated verse styles, basically, mm-hmm. and then they, they they set the the rhymes as well, and so the way this the, the way this works is the way these poems generally work the the regulated verse poems is there there's one rhyme for the entire poem, uh, it's on the even the even lines rhyme with each other, uh, and also the um, mm-hmm. the seventh line are, are are to rhyme as well. And then they also, by flipping through a, a rhyming book they have, they um, they find out the uh, the rhyming scheme they're going to use. Um, I'll read the the Hawks and mm. then also the the original Chinese. Because uh, really, I want to say that Hawks does something really interesting with this chapter. We've seen before how Hawks will bring out some like fancy footwork in order to make the uh the 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 poems uh kind of uh rhyme while also preserving a bit of the original meaning which is really hard to do mm-hmm. uh and, and so he does this again for um in this chapter but he he has yeah. some he takes some liberties in order to make it work uh, we can talk about that a little bit and so okay here are our rhymes so uh the first line which is the basically the the in the Hawks, it says, your first line must end in door, your second in pot, your fourth in knot, your sixth in spot, and the rhyming couplet in the seventh and eighth lines must end in day. Um, and so in the in the Chinese original, it's door is men, uh, pot is pen, uh, knot is hun, which is actually means more like soul uh, in, in the original, depending on whether it's used... Uh, as part of a compound uh, word or not, but as a as a solo yep. word, it means hun soul, and so not and soul aren't exactly the same. But you can kind of see what's going on, right? Your your soul is, it's not material, but it's, you know. It's, <laughs> um, then spot is hen, uh, which is like more like scar like, or trace, but it's, again, yeah, it can be like trace. It, yeah, if it's like trace or remain, it's. Mm-hmm. Close enough, close enough, <laughs> and and the rhyming couplet in the seventh and eighth lines must end in day, which in the original is hun, mm-hmm. as in Sunset. like twilight. Uh, but again, day related, you know the the edge of day. The, yeah. You'd say. And so here, he's choosing a, a seventh and eighth line rhyming couplet that actually isn't in the Chinese original. So the the that's actually not a requirement of how it's laid out in Chinese. Um, and having a rhyming couple at the end of a poem is, I think, is not that common necessarily in Chinese. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it harkens back to kind of the way that you do sonnets in English, which are, I think, 14 lines and 13 and 14 have to rhyme. 
but otherwise it's the same as this even num uh, even numbered lines rhyming um and yeah you touched on it before but i have to say this entire exercise is very very impressively done by hawks um like i think i can't really be effusive enough in my praise for him here because translating these kind of poems alone is a difficult exercise um doing it so that you retain both a sense of the meaning and of the kind of meter is still more impressive and then making it fit to this kind of complex parlor game rules that they're following here um i think makes it degrees of difficult that even very skilled translators would really struggle with i think yeah um, it's definitely uh it's amazing that the there's any way to fit these pieces together that makes sense basically <laughs> i i know it's such it's such a difficult challenge um so so yeah as you said in the chinese the rhyme goes man pun hun 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 basically so line one man line two pun line four hun line six mm -hmm. hun line eight hun yeah so 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 you're kind of relying on like a a rhyme and slight half rhyme yeah. there, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought I thought that the exercise was kind of funny, like the way that they came up with the the first rhyme in the first, you know, in the first place. You know, Ying Chun yes, just turns yes. to um, one of the one of the maids who's standing nearby, uh, and she's kind of leaning in the door frame, um, and she says, "Give me a word, <laughs> any word," and the maid's like, "Uh." door <laughs> because yeah, like, she's kind of it's the first thing you see yeah 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 uh table <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was funny as well or maybe yeah. it's also a little bit of uh like not trying very hard maybe a little bit like blase like yeah, yeah door that's door, where I, I that's know. where i happen to be at the moment you know? <laughs> yeah um so so yeah it's it's quite a kind of it's not we we saw in earlier chapters, so during the visit of Yuan Chuan, the, the imperial concubine, um, she asked everybody co to compose poems there. Mm -hmm. um, but she didn't really lay out any rules. Everyone did them in seven character meter mm -hmm. um, for the most part. And they were either four or eight lines long. Um, um, but there weren't really any rules about how things had to rhyme or the subject matter or, or anything of that sort so this is certainly the the aim is to kind of yeah uh explore i don't know attempt to approach the sublime i suppose through poetry but um but it's also it is a kind of parlor game you know it's a kind of um yeah it's similar to maybe like uh i guess we don't have uh poetry games that's what's so interesting about this is that this is like it's almost inconceivable that uh that any of these poems could be uh composed uh, on the spot uh as well as they are it, it's yeah it, it strikes us maybe from our modern perspective as almost impossible mm -hmm. um then again you know we we have talked about you know uh like slam poetry or uh like rap battles it's it's not mm -hmm. entirely dissimilar to those forms uh, let, let, let me ask you this do you think that the author Tao would have um, written all of these four poems in the time he describes in the chapter oh no I, I mean this is definitely uh, <laughs> I, I think everything is kind of uh, romanticized even the like 
I want to ask you later, like, which, like, lines do you think are maybe, like, intentionally awkward? Like, you, like, try to, like, make it a little awkward so it seems more believable. Hmm. Uh, I have a few, like, theories uh, about that. So, yeah, it's an open question, uh, like, historically. And I think even historically, a lot of these games, you know, if you couldn't think of something at the moment, you could always send it in later. Uh, I've heard accounts from, like, of, like, of tong poets who you know needed some more time so yeah uh um so so having decided upon the form and the rhyming scheme and all of that yeah i was just reading and i see that there is some kind of complaint from value about the pun and mun not being good to use as rhymes but um (laughs) that seems to have been ignored in hawks so we can skip that anyway so the rhyming scheme and the the structure and everything having been chosen um Tantrun's maid lays out four sets of paper and brushes and ink for everyone to write with, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody begins thinking. And then um, Ying Chun asks one of her maids to light a stick of this incense, right? Yes. Um, which you, you mentioned, it's called Meng Tian Xiang. So, like, dream sweet fragrance. Yes, yeah. Uh you know, the choicest strain uh, <laughs> of incense. <laughs> so, so yeah, it gives the whole thing a, a kind of presumably slightly dreamy feeling. Yeah, um, definitely. D- did you notice that the, the maid who lays out all of the pen and paper for them to use is called, um, in the Hawks, she's, the, the name he gives her is Scribe. Um, yeah, I did um, notice that. Is that an irony? She's like, yeah. what did uh, you make of that? Well, in the Chinese, what she's called, uh, shu. So shu is like, can be like a book or anything written, but it's also the word to write. Mm-hmm. You know, in in, in old-fashioned context, it's it's um, to 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 write something out. What is uh, shu again? I forget. Uh, oh, to to wait upon, to serve upon. Okay, yeah. So she is the one who who waits upon, or she serves like the um the writers, the authors. You know. So yeah. So they sit down to write. Um, well, three of the four sit down to write. Um, one of them does not. Yes. All the normal people sit down to write, but you have one. Uh, this is a real uh, Dai Yu rock star moment where she like is very uh, visibly, uh, how would you say? Uh, she is like, conspicuously not working. Yes. Or she's, conspic- she's very conspicuous about her. like She, she talks to the she chats with the maids she plays with the bark on one of the trees you know in general she gives this impression of not really being in any way giving the least bit of thought to this uh-huh. to this exercise uh-huh. and as we see the other three turn in their poems and the judges read through them and uh, they're asking you know having finished the third one they then turn to ask where Dayu's poem is and at that moment she kind of swans in <laughs> and immediately just writes the poem out that she'd prepared in her mind mm-hmm. onto the nearest piece of paper and just kind of throws it throws it mm-hmm. at the judges throws it to the judges in the same way she had thrown the uh her her poem to Bao Yu uh for him to write in his name back in uh, yeah chapter 18 or so yeah. When Yen Chun returns, yeah. Exactly. During Yen Chun's visit, he's tasked with writing four poems, one for each of the four mm-hmm. 
places in the garden that she most um, enjoyed visiting. And um, he manages to come up with three, and Dayu writes a fourth, you know, scrumples the paper up into a ball and throws it over to him. Yeah. Uh, Similar vibes. And he takes it and copies it out. Right. Yeah. Really. Well, he takes it and copies it out, and then that, that poem that she composed is declared the best of the four. Yes, yes. Which is a bit awkward for uh-huh, him, I guess. Uh-huh. This is definitely a repeat of that scenario. And so, yeah, how about we jump right into the poems? Um, <clears throat> sure. So how should we do this? So we, we have the Hawks translation. I've also done some quick kind of... Um, what I kind of think of as straight translations, uh, yeah. which I think might be useful uh, in certain places. Uh, because, you know, to do what Hawks has done, which is really amazing, you have to, um, you're, you're going to have to sacrifice some of the original meanings here and there. Uh, and so maybe in this context, it would be good to kind of uh, present a kind of a intermediary, like a, like a straightforward rendering as well. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a few lines I kind of had some questions about. I wanted to see what what your opinion was as well. Um, sure, sure. Did you did you before we start? Did you have like a favorite poem, or did you like any general impressions on uh, on these offerings? I do think Dayu's is the best um, because it. I think it is the most original seeming. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, I actually rather liked Tantrons as well. Mm, so did I. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought they were much better. Um, Bao Yu and Bao Chai's, they they have moments in them, but they they seem to mm. hold together, not as well. And and, and yeah. I, you know I think this is again, like the author like intentionally like writing like not as good material. Uh, but I, I think I think it's successful. Um, and it's it's interesting to see that they really all, they they these poems take a similar approach. They use similar images, uh, mm. and, and I thought it was really interesting to see. These like just this whole exercise is a great way to understand um, how uh, traditional Chinese poetry works, and I, I think we see even a greater sense because it is you know versions of the same poem. In effect, we see uh, kind of a, a sense for how, like in particular, how parallelism works in this form, and how important it is. And, and so I really enjoyed uh, like you know approaching this material from those angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there's a little bit we see um, the, like the, the personality of each character coming out a little bit I thought uh, and that's also I think maybe worth discussing yeah um, so how about, we, how about we jump right in so the first poem is uh, Tan Chun's poem how, how should we do this do you want to read the Hawks translation yeah sure sure so, so Tan Chun's first a wintry sunset gilds the vine-wreathed door, where stands, mossed by old rains, the flower-pot, its snowy blooms as snow impermanent, as pure as pure white jade that alters not. O fragrant frailty, that so fears the wind, most radiant whiteness, full moon without spot. White flower sprite, shake your silken wings, away, and join with me to him the dying day. Okay, great. So how about we spend maybe a little bit of time going... Do you want to go line by line a little bit? Or is that too yeah, much? Yeah, sure. Um, no, no, no. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, let's see here. So the the first line is... Uh, let's see. Xie Yang, Han Cao, Dai Chong Men, 
啊，太脆硬铺如后盘。And so my like my like straightforward, more or less straightforward render of that would be, uh, I, I think it'd be something like uh, <clears throat> upon slanting sun and cooling grass, closing the inner gates. Yeah. Moss jade green blanketing after a shower, the flower pot. Um, so so yeah. Just go, looking at that first line, Xieyang, as you say, is like sloping sun, something like that. It's it's like it's when that sun reaches the angle where it's coming in quite like this is kind of like forty five degrees or less, right? Right. right. Sunset, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Han uh, Tao, as you said, cool cool grass, something like that. Right. But the last three characters, Dai. You think so? You think this is Chong Men rather than Zhong Men? Uh, yeah, because it's the yes. character can be read either way. It, okay, yeah, yeah. So talk me through that. Um, What's uh, so? Okay, so we know the the slanting sun that that seems to designate uh, like sunset, right? Um, the cooling grass also suggests maybe sunset in the sense that you know when the sun goes down, the grass is going to cool. Yeah. Another way to interpret、yeah. that is maybe it's a sign of autumn. Uh, and but I, I kind of like the idea that it's it's you know it's the evening and everything's cooling down,、uh, mm -hmm. and then the the Dai Chongmen, yeah, it's so Chongmen. We, we've actually seen Chongmen before. It was in one of Lin Dai's poems, and I I my understanding of it is this: these are like the the gates、uh, within the other gates. These are the inner gates, right? And, and so you、okay. can imagine like you know the the. Uh, this is kind of a, a a symbol of inner quarters, you know, a more intimate space,、uh, and this is this is a kind of a, a an image that we see in a few of these poems. That like, okay, the the day the day is ending, and we're kind of closing、uh, closing the gates, kind of、um, becoming more secluded.、Uh, mm -hmm. Another way to interpret that, of course, is that. So I don't know all the details of、uh, this particular flower, but. I, I do know that the flowers were open, open and closed their、um, their petals based on the sun, right?、Uh, yeah. And so that right, those, right, right. that closing gates could also be a reference because all these poems are about the flowers,、uh, and the flowers represent the speaker, but also you have a bit of the speaker looking upon the flower, so、mm -hmm. the, the, you see a kind of dual identity, you know, both the flower as subject and flower as object kind of thing.、Um, yeah. And so after that, the second line, I, I would say, so we have this like, I'm imagining,、uh, so the、uh, the yuho, the what I've rendered after a shower would be like, maybe after rain, but I'm imagining somebody watering the plant. That's my primary interpretation. And so、okay. you, you could imagine the moss. You have this mossy. You have a flower pot, and it's kind of covered with this green moss. You know, and maybe it's maybe it's more jade seeming because it's been watered recently, and you can imagine kind of a glistening, perhaps.、Uh, and, and so this like this this this、uh, like jade green moss is like like covering like a blanket、uh, this flower pot.、Um, that's kind of setting the scene, I think. And then then I interpret the next line as like you, that's you know that's that's the scene, and then you can imagine you know、uh, the next line is. Next two lines are describing the flowers themselves,、um, and and so in the original that would be, Yu shi jing shen nan bi jie, xue wei ji gu yi xiao hun, 
Um, so that would be something like uh, my like direct my translation reads of jade the spirit few purer of snow these flesh and bones amenable to ecstasy uh, uh. Which I, I think it's a fairly straightforward um, and so if we look at the original we see clear parallelism between the uh, Jingshan. so like jade is spirit right and, and those yep. are the first four characters of of the third line, and then the first four characters of the fourth line is Xue Wei Ji Gu, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the, a spirit made of jade, uh, flesh and bone made of of snow. In either case, yeah. you have these very pure, uh, like, white, which also is itself associated with purity, um, images, right? And, and we were told that these are a rare uh, crab apple that is pure white, right? And so that's that's, how, that's our indication that okay, like flower isn't explicitly being uh, referenced here, but you can kind of guess based on the context that you, you can imagine these flowers as being made of a beautiful jade and of, of pure snow, which again mm. has these kind of bodily um, connotations that we've seen before, right? And, and so these are beautiful flowers, and maybe you know beautiful maidens, or, or even the one writing this poem you know, uh, are identifying with these flowers, right? Uh, and, and so we're kind of familiar with this sort of semantic space. And then the the, the endings of both those lines, um, also there's a very clear parallel, right? So so for mm -hmm. the jade, the jade spirit is described as nan bi jie. Uh -huh. So nan being difficult, bi is to compare. Yeah. And jie, as you said, is kind of like cleanliness or purity. Mm -hmm. So... With, it's like with a spirit like jade, uh, almost like unparalleled in its yeah. purity. Incomparable like. purity, maybe. Exactly. And then the the last three characters of the fourth line are yi xiao huan, mm -hmm. as you said. So so whereas nan is hard, yi is easy here, I think. Um, and then you, you said xiao huan was yours like something like a, a, attaining ecstasy, right? Yeah. I, 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 was, I, I was having the whole yi xiao huan as... Uh, amenable to ecstasy it's it's roughly right. similar uh right, more literally okay. it would be like like shaohan is like literally like dissolving your soul <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. you know but like ecstasy that's what ecstasy is that's that's the feeling of your soul dissolving bro <laughs> <You know? laughs> well uh. i think like what 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 hawks is leaning into here possibly is um is the meaning of xiao is almost like something like, um, I don't know, really. Like it can mean like to to melt, you know, something like that. But I wonder if he's tying it back to the snow somehow. So it's like it's the the flowers themselves are like snow in that they like easily melt into. I I, I don't know soul here being like something like ineffable or like uh, you know in, in intangible. So what um, you're saying is it melts in your soul, not in your hand. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I feel like I'm not sure if that's helping or like further uh, convoluting the, the space. This is. Uh... <laughs> you get the idea, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> so back back to seriousness. Um, <laughs> how about lines five and six? Function idian jiao wu li. Uh, 千银三更月有寒, 
So, mm-hmm. um, I, I have there uh, a fragrant heart, a touch frail, no strength, mm-hmm. uh, of a fair beauty in the third watch, moon, a trace. Yeah, so this is one of these strange things where, like, Feng Xin, which, as you said, literally right. is like a fragrant heart, um, is often used, I think, as a kind of, okay, symbolically, you can represent, a, like, a young woman, something like that. You know? Exactly, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Idian, Jiao Wu, exactly as you said, is like Idian being a small bit, Jiao being tender, fragile, and Wu Li is like without strength or powerless, something like that. Mm-hmm. That, that. That is the classic image of, uh, you know, a, a flower is a delicate kind of form of beauty that, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to. If there's too much wind, it's, it might fall over. Or yeah. you, you, if the if the rain falls too hard, it will bruise it, the the petals. Right, right. Um, and, and I, I like the next image, the Qian Ying San Gang Yue Yo Hen. Literally, it would be something like um, so. Qian Ying would be uh, that's another kind of set term for um, like a, a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. or or even like the silhouette of beauty, right? If you if you if you render Qian as as pretty and, and then Ying as one of its meanings could be uh, like a shadow or a silhouette, mm-hmm. yeah, or like um, some almost like a fleeting impression, something like that, right? And then then the, the Sanggeng Yue. That's so we talked about the the Gung before. It's the different watches of, of the evening. Uh, yeah, so I, I it's think... like you, you, it's like you you can break up the whole day into different Gung. Mm-hmm. Um, there are periods of like several several hours, right? Right, and so Sangung is pretty late in the evening, and so you can imagine. Uh, although I, I did notice that um, Hawks here renders it full moon. I, I don't know. I don't know what his basis for that interpretation is. Yeah, I think it's just artistic license. Uh, I okay. I had um, I had Yue as like midnight moon, the midnight moon, something like that. Because mm-hmm. even if it's not literally twelve midnight, you know, you get the impression of like in the middle of the night. And he also has full moon without spot, uh, but but in the original it it's the opposite. There is a a spot. Yeah, it's and it, w- what they're saying is, is in my to my knowledge is that you know you have just the only light I'm imagining is the moonlight, and there's just a trace of it, just like Johan, mm-hmm. and it's it's just that trace of light that's giving you just enough to see the uh, the, the 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 faint silhouette of uh, of a fair maiden. Basically, yeah, or 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 her or her outline indeed is the thing to which Hun might relate. So you, yeah, I think exactly right, exactly. You know, her. so so I think it's definitely not full moon. It's definitely not, yeah, yeah, bright moon. It's it's just, it's in moonlight we see a faint trace of the, um, or or, just one other interpretation. I don't know what you think of it. Is are we supposed to understand that the whiteness of the flowers? Is like a faint trace of bright full moon, of the light you would get from a bright full moon. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's an open question whether this line uh, is designed to allow for multiple interpretations. I do like the idea of you know there's the association between the the feminine coded flowers and the traditionally feminine coded moon. Um, so perhaps you could say that. The flowers have a trace of this beautiful uh, feminine-coated uh, third watch moon, or likewise, you could say, in the third watch moon, there's a trace of this uh, feminine beauty being illumined. 
in this dramatic capacity. And, and so the, the final line is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which I, in my, in my like straightforward rendering would be like, speak not of plain silk immortals capable of levitation. My beloved, accompany me in singing the twilight, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a cool last line. And, and so you can imagine basically here, uh, uh, there's kind of the, the, the Taoist image of um, you have like a Taoist um, like husband and wife mm-hmm. who uh, each achieve, you know, levitation together, able to uh, like literally transcend into the heavens and become immortals. And this is kind of a common Taoist trope. Uh, and so I agree with you. I, I like this poem. It's probably my, uh, my maybe my second favorite after Dayu's poem. Uh, but I like the images. I, I thought it kind of it, it flowed well. I thought it was generally pretty pretty well composed, pretty well put together. <laughs> 